0: Believe it or not, we're already looking towards summer 2021 and planning our amazing retreat. We've got some great things in the works for you, and we're going to be releasing information soon, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, you can grab a replay of our 2020 retreat. The virtual retreat includes amazing business content, including studio reset, marketing and social media, developing your inner leader, building community, and getting the most out of online platforms, Kajabi. Trello. Plus, there's great teacher training content that you can share with your staff, like honing your teacher's eye for ballet, building your tap curriculum, jazz fundamentals, contemporary and improvisation for the young dancer, building a solid structure for hip hop, and so much more. Catch up on all the amazing juicy content from our 2020 retreat for just $197. Go to DanceStudioOwnerConnect.com and click on the Retreat Replay tab to grab yours today. friends. Welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. This is Casey. And before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to give you all a heads up that we actually have split this conversation with Danielle McKee into two episodes. So today you will hear part one and next week you'll hear part two. Um, Robin and I sat down with her. Actually, it was New Year's Eve and had a great conversation about all things recital and studio startup. And she had some incredible ideas and we just did not want to cut the conversation short. So we have two episodes with Danielle McKee for you and the end of today's episode might sound a little awkward because we didn't actually take a break. So I just cut the content, cut the interview. Um, So it is a little bit of an awkward ending, but that's because there's more for you to listen to next week. So enjoy. Hello and welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey. And I'm Robin. How's it going, Robin? We're in the middle of, well, we're in the tail end, I suppose, of winter break. How are you feeling?
1: I feel good. I feel like I'm on top of things. I feel like I'm ready to start the new season. I'm very hopeful. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling good. How yeah, you- I'm,
0: I'm ready to be done with 2020 and uh, start a new year, start fresh, mm-hmm. get some new uh, resolutions going. I think I'm going to stop drinking for a while and see what that does to my body. <laughs> yeah. Isn't January like a dry jet, gen- like a lot of, yeah, people- a lot of people do dry January. So I'm going to see how that
1: goes. Oh, I've done the whole 30 in January in years. And that's also including minimal drinking or no drinking at all. Right. Um, so yeah, I remember I did, th- I should probably do that again. I, th- that was a good, a good experience for me. It was definitely hard. Yeah. But when I look back at pictures. I'm like, oh, my hips were a little slimmer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because you learn stuff. Like I always had um, struggled with like adult acne, like on my jawline. And as soon as I gave up dairy, that went away. And I covered that through the whole thirty. Magic. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: My um, my psoriasis got so much better as soon as I cut out gluten and dairy. It like cleared up amazingly. Yeah. So. Cute. Yep. All right, well, let's bring in our guest today, Miss Danielle McKee. Hello, how are you?
2: Hi, I'm doing great. Excited for the end of this year.
0: <laughs> yes, good. How's your winter break going so far?
2: It's good. Um, I, part of me feels like it's gone on too long. And the other part of me feels like it went on too fast. So right? it's, we're you know, it's that weird week. It's like, I don't really know what time it is. Yeah,
0: what like, day is it?
2: Yeah, <laughs> like i meeting the purpose, but at the same time, I'm like, There's nothing I have to do right now, so... Nice.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Well, let's read Miss Danielle's bio so our listeners get to know her a little bit. Danielle McKee is a choreographer, judge, masterclass teacher, and studio owner of 10 years. From intro to professional, she works with all levels and consults teachers, studio owners, and coaches. Danielle is an internationally certified dance teacher, decorated choreographer, and most importantly, a passionate advocate for the arts. Recently, she relocated to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where she lives with her husband, And two amazing children. So, welcome, Danielle. Thanks. We're super excited to have you. Danielle has been in our group, you said, for for a little while now and um, kind of a lurker, which is totally fine. (laughs) But you chimed in on a conversation recently about recitals and said that you have some exciting insight to offer. So, we're excited to have you on.
2: Yes. Yes. So, I'm super excited to let y'all know what I have. acquired in the knowledge that I've learned over the past several years.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, let's start from the beginning. So Danielle, tell us about um, your dance journey, what your dance education life was like growing up and how you became a studio owner and got to where you are now.
2: Okay, yeah. Um, So I will be the first to it. It was never the plan. Um, I don't know how many other people can say that, but it was never the plan. Um, I started dance when I was two. Uh, It was just something I've Walked on my toes. And my mom was like, "Something wrong with her," and they're like, "No, just put her in dance." And so that's what happened. Um, dance my whole life. Very passionate about it. Same old thing with college. Dance in college. Um, got right out of college. Was going to uh, do some pre-professional work, and actually ended up getting an injury um, that needed a full knee rest- re Sorry, knee reconstruction surgery. Um, bounce back super quick. I was not one of those people. Um, and so like very abruptly, my dance career ended. And so I was like, I'm going to go to law school. I don't know y'all. It was like a midlife, early midlife crisis. Not really sure. And so I switched from dance to, um, I have a degree in government and political science and decided I was going to go into law. And then I realized how much law school cost. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> <Okay>.
0: so, yes.
2: <laughs> I was like 19 years old and uh, super ambitious. Well, uh, and at 20, I got married. And so we were in this small little bitty town and I couldn't afford school. And I was kind of like, I'd always paid for everything. And all of my scholarships were dance scholarships. Couldn't really rely on those anymore. And so going back to school was a super um, intimidating thing. And so to pay for it, I started there was an abandoned dance studio. There was not a dance studio in this whole town. hadn't been for like 40 years. And so there was an abandoned dance studio that had no AC and leaked from the ceiling. It was terrible. But I was like, okay, well, I'll teach little kids like some little dance stuff. as a YWCA. And, and I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll just do that. And I had eight kids for the first like month. And then all of a sudden I had 25 kids. And then I had 50 kids. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I realized that I love teaching more than I ever loved being on stage. Like, if I could take how much it means, like, and there are a lot of people I I affirm as like believer in. Not all dance teachers are the best performers, and not all the best performers are dance teachers.
1: Oh, absolutely! Mm -hmm. Um, And
2: when you find like that, I was always like, I love being on stage. That has never changed. But when I found the purpose of being a dance educator, it completely changed. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, I love this. And so I had saved up enough to go, um, to the bank and ask for a, a loan to be able to pay for school. So I had to, I had all like everything I had, here's all of the money I had saved. I had it all in cash. Like I was ready to go. I Dave Ramsey did. I was like, We're going to school, buddy. And so I was going in and I was sitting in the parking lot and I was just crying and I was praying and I was like, I don't know if I want to be a lawyer, if I want to be a dance teacher. And I was like, just tell me what to do. And I walked in and I sat there and I had this whole plan of like to talk to the bank about giving me money to go to law school. And I sat on the side and I remember looking at this guy, obviously going, what is she doing? And I was just like, I'm really sorry, but I just want to be a dance teacher. (laughs) And he was like, how much, how much do you have saved? And I told him, and he was like, I have a daughter that wants to dance, but your dance school is full. And I was like, well, it's not mine. I just have this little building and it's like max capacity and there's no elevator and air conditioner. And so technically we're not even supposed to be there. So if I'm going to continue teaching, I have to open something. And he said, Well, my daughter's been on your waiting list for two years. Or not two years, I'm sorry, for two months. And he's like, What is your two year plan? And I was like, For a dance studio? He's like, Yes. He said, Have you not thought about it? I was like, I mean, kind of, but you know, like, what is your like two year, five year plan here? And I was like, to make it work <laughs> like i had nothing i was terrible i like i was by this time i was 21 and so i was like i don't know i don't know what to do and so um he was like well again my daughter's been on the your waiting list for a few months now you're like let's talk about this and come back tomorrow so i came back to the next day and i had stayed up all night i formed a whole business plan of where i could go and what i needed to do i found a building like it just kind of all perfectly made a disaster and fell into place and it was an old warehouse It was nasty and everything. But I was like, I just like had sparkles in my eyes. I was like, we can do this. So I walked back in and, and I told him and I was like, I, I need this amount of money. This is how much I have saved. And he was like, You're gonna open a dance studio? By the way, go. I need I had five and I needed ten. So I was opening a dance studio on fifteen thousand dollars. Anybody's opened a dance studio before that's like not even in the scheme of things. And so um, <laughs> I was like, but I was, I mean, at 21, $15,000 is like, mm-hmm. that was a semester of school. So I was like, you know, like I could do this. And so I, I did and he wrote me a check and he was like, all right, they'll get you one outside. We'll deposit it to your account. And I was just like, What? In less wow. than, yeah, so in less than 90 days after that, we had completely, uh, my husband, thank, thank God I've married a good one. Um, he does uh, reconstruction and construction work. And so he was able to like do it all for me. Oh, that's uh, brilliant. Yes. No, it was super great. I, a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into my first studio and I wouldn't open it up. Um, and after six months of having it, I had to lease out the building beside me because I needed to grow into that building and then doing, and it just grew and grew. And so like, that's ha- that's how I ended up being a dance teacher. It was completely by accident. And by one banker saying, my daughter's been on your waiting list for a few months and I would support your dance studio. And I was like, okay.
1: Wow. <laughs> so, did he write I mean, you a personal check or did he give you a loan?
2: No, it was a loan. No, it was definitely a loan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but they just, but I, being the age that I was, I had no credit. Right. I had never taken out a loan before. And so here I am with just like $5,000 cash asking for 10, you know, to go with it. Mm-hmm. And so this is like, and he, I don't know why I, I would not have taken a chance on me. Like, I mean, I'm right. passionate about it, but now being quite a bit older than that, like, I, you know, it was like, I don't know if I would have let me do that. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> but that is so cool. Like, and it's so true. Like, all it takes is one person to believe in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even when you, even when you don't know if you truly believe in yourself yet.
1: <laughs> well, the fact that his daughter was on your waiting list for two months mm-hmm. is a clear indicator to him that you've got a lot of students that you're in demand and you probably also saw your passion coming through. And um, yeah, it was probably a little bit of chance, you know, take a chance on you and a little bit of, I can see that you're in demand and you're passionate. So, and also $10,000 isn't like you said that much money for a bank to loan. Right.
2: (laughs) No, it was not like, so when I eventually, when I went and had my like bigger awesome studio, it was, a lot more than that. And every time I would go back, he would always laugh and be like, oh, so now you need this much. And so um, it was always great. But yeah, that and once I became a dance teacher, um, I was, again, I was super young. And I was like, I, I don't know, like, I I knew how to be a performer. And I knew that I loved dancing. And I love knew that I loved teaching. And so I just really focused a whole lot on my dance education, um, taking as many classes I could talking to like finding, by the way, if you find a dance studio that you're like, wow, they're doing the right thing, reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Like I did. there were certain studios that I would look at and go, wow, they're really good. How do you be that? How, how I want to be that. And I would call and just like, Hey, can I, you know, I don't have much, but can I take you to coffee and ask you questions or can we talk on the phone? And then I would just like, I would find who was doing the best job and okay, well, what training did you have? And I found out like about progressing ballet technique and acrobatic dance arts. And I would find like whatever that next level is and I would just consume it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's, that's basically why, you know, why I started DSO Connect to begin with was to just surround myself with people who were, doing the right things making mistakes just like me but also learning in the process and sharing that knowledge and i think it's just so important to ha- to be able to have that community around you yeah. yeah and it just it makes all the difference so i'm so glad you were able to to reach out to people like that that's awesome so how long were you in that first location before you opened up you, you got the loan and opened up your new location so
2: i was in the ywca for a year and then I was in my next location. Let's say I think three, maybe four years before um, I could like afford like a real dance studio. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And uh, that was like in the the good part, the good hood. Uh huh. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, it it definitely. Uh, I look back on it, and it's just like I don't even. And I think most dance teachers would like, sometimes you just like stop back and you look and you're going, Whoa, I did this. Like, right. This
1: <laughs> yeah. And we so, are definitely an interesting breed of people. I would say so many of us started young in our early twenties. Like I did. And uh, Casey, you were young too. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So early twenties. I, like, I feel like there's something about a girl who grows up in a dance studio with all of these dreams and then something happens or some light bulb goes off that says, I want to be in the studio, not on the stage. And it's just like this scrappiness and this, this desire and this, you know, bullheadedness. And, and like, this is all I'm, this is all I can think about. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm amazed at how many young um Young women have made a legitimate career out of running a dance studio because they could, they were just it just consumes you.
2: Yeah, if it's something that you truly love and you're truly that passionate about, it's like I'm sure that from the outside looking in, or for somebody that was able to start off in the state of the art dance studio, they're looking at me going, mm, Not really sure what you were doing there. But I don't even see it that way. Like, I can look back and go, okay, it wasn't as glamorous as I thought it was. But nothing mattered more to me than the success of the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was, like, it It just did nothing else mattered. It was like, there was, there was not, I would not take no for an answer. I wasn't yeah. going to take mediocre as an answer. Like, it was going to be great. There was no other option. It was going to be great. It was going to have rhinestones. Like, that's just...
1: <laughs>
0: So It was going to be great, and it was going to have rhinestones.
1: I love it. <laughs> that's that that's just a really powerful concept, too. I remember when I was in my early 20s, I wanted to take my studio to the next level, and we were turning it into an LLC. And my dad, who has always advised me on things, um, sent me to a lawyer. And unbeknownst to me at the time, he told the lawyer to talk me out of it he told the lawyer to um, can try to convince me not to expand to a bigger place to take on a bigger lease, but to just kind of throw in the switch courses, you know, maybe go back to college and do something different. And I didn't know that the lawyer was doing this based on my dad and I just argued with him and dug my heels in. And apparently after I left the meeting, he called my dad and he was like, your daughter is not backing down. Oh my God. I love it. it. But there was never any other option for me. And I think that for a lot of studio owners, it's the same thing. It's like, I can't even imagine anything else. And what makes the whole concept even more powerful is Look at the girls that were that we're influencing in our studios, the ones who are in high school. they're not that much younger than we were when we launched this thing. And so the inspiration or the the, I don't know, the effect that our influence has on these young women um, is is huge. And I, I don't know. I, I just think that um, there's something about us as studio owners that's really, really remarkable.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I think,
0: I think just modeling to young girls and, and, you know, young adults that like, as a woman, you can make a career out of the arts. You can make a career out of your passion and you can make a career out of being a leader as a woman. Like that is, that's huge because there aren't that many models for that out there. There's not that much representation of women leaders and business owners and artists all wrapped into one. Well,
2: and that's true inside the dance world itself. Like if you look at major companies and performing companies, they're artistic directors and they're directors and their are choreographers. They're, they're all male. They're all dudes. <laughs> and, so it's like, and so you, and I always hear that like, oh, dance is for girls and it, it's oversaturated with women. Like that's not a joke. Like that, that is true because we're, just awesome. But if you still look at like, who's at the top tiers of, you know, the ballet theater and this Broadway shit, like, and all the stuff you're still looking
0: at. At a, a male dominated field, which is so, so skewed because there are so few men in the dance industry.
2: Yes. And so like as a studio owner, and this is like a completely tangent topic and I'll, so I'll make it real brief. I, I always really push to everyone, and I've done several like posts and stuff on it is why is dance so unimportant? And as our communities, like, and parents, and I try to really push this onto the community and community leaders and parents is where I get to like the advocacy side of it. The community puts in a baseball field and a soccer mm-hmm. field and a football field and all of these things. And, oh yeah, it's only $75 a year to play soccer. And it comes with a free jersey But everything in that is provided by the city. Like people are looking at dance, same way they're looking at gymnastics. Like, eh, you know, they'll do it. And so like as a whole dance outside of our dance world, dance looks so unimportant. It's not Mm -hmm. backed by your community. It's not backed by your leaders. It's just that is you're responsible for your own rent, your own bills. Like there's nothing there to help dance teachers and dance studio owners and stuff like that out. Mainly studio owners, and so my biggest thing with being a studio owner is I wanted to show my community, my family, and more importantly, the girls and the moms because your dance studio is filled with moms. um, Inside that studio, like we can do this. Like we're we are just as important, and if that means we have to dig in our heels and get our own hands dirty, by God, we're doing it. And so, like. That's I guess what kept me going as and always has kept me going.
0: Yeah, I remember when I first started my studio and I I turned to Robin for advice and mentorship because she was my my studio owner growing up that I went to. Um, and so one of the first things, Robin, that you told me was that one of our challenges as a business owner in the arts is teaching our customers about the culture and about the lifestyle of what it means to be a dancer and what it means to be a dance family. Because we have, as a society, all these models and all of this like, you um, communal knowledge and understanding of what it means to be a soccer mom or what it means to be a baseball family you know like we just know that on saturday mornings you take your lawn chair you know your your fold-up chair or whatever to the soccer field and you're there for however many hours and that's just part of being a sports ingrained culture and so we have but people just know that inherently somehow because it's so ingrained in in our society and so as As leaders in an arts-based culture, we have to teach our customers what it means to be a dance family, and I thought that was so interesting because growing up as a dancer, it was just obvious to me, but these families that come into our studios, they don't know what they're doing. They haven't seen, you know, the only model that they've seen of what a dance studio life is like is probably dance moms on TV, and we don't
1: want them to model that behavior. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but just think about what power that comes with because not only, I mean, probably when I said it, I was thinking we need to teach our families what the dance world is like, but we mm-hmm. have the power to change what the dance world is. Yes,
0: because yes, we do.
1: We're the grassroots. So yeah. we can say, you know, um, we don't think it's acceptable for, I don't know, the whole thing with the different shades of tights that are going on now. I mean, yeah. we. The influence right now at this grassroots um, level to make changes in people's expectations, right? Um,
2: Absolutely. We get not to, just like, power everyone to like. We get to, as, as dance studio owners and as dance educators, we get to decide how people view our dance world. Mm-hmm. We get to be inclusive instead of exclusive. We get to really. Challenge the mold on what society says dance is. So all those dance moms and all the people that are like, "Oh, well, my kid might not look like a dancer," or my, you know, my kid's a male, whatever it is. Like us in our own communities, we get to bend that steel. Like we get to pick. Like, yeah, no, not here.
1: And that's what's so great about. Dance studio owners talking to each other so mm-hmm. that we can all kind of be united. And of course, everyone's studio is going to be a little bit different. But if we're all united in a general sense of we want to make the dance world a better place, um, we have a lot of power as a as a group. Absolutely, we do. Yeah, for sure. And I think
0: I think that you know we need to use that power to like collectively push the industry forward. Yeah. Well, just like every sure.
2: child has a mom, every dancer has a dance teacher. Like every every person, no matter how great they are as a dancer, started with a dance teacher in a small studio somewhere. Like
0: mm-hmm.
2: he make it from there, yeah. which is why recitals and stuff like is so passionate for me is like that side of it is because it's like that's where it gets to start right there.
0: Yes. Yes. I love, so at my studio, I teach all the little ones because I love being everybody's first dance teacher. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I just like that is, you know, you just have that special memory of your very first dance teacher when you're like three or whatever. And I want to be that person for everybody who dances at my studio. So yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break right here and we'll be right back to talk to Danielle about her recital magic. We'll be right back. Thanks. Are you a member of the DSO Connect community? Join us. We are a free group on Facebook for dance studio owners to connect, share ideas, inspire one another, and provide support. We help troubleshoot each other's problems and celebrate each other's successes. We have two Zoom calls every month, Coffee Chat Fridays and Wind Down Wednesdays, where we get to hang out together with fellow DSOs who really, truly get it. And y'all, I can honestly say that this community is the reason why my studio has survived COVID. Without the amazing support and inspired ideas of the incredible members of this group, I'm not sure I would have made it. So if you're looking for support, connection, and judgment-free advice, join us today. Just search for DSO Connect Community on Facebook and answer the questions to join. We can't wait to meet you. All right. We are back with Danielle McKee and we've learned a lot about you. And now we want to get into the bulk of what we're going to talk about today, which is how you have been so successful with making your recitals profitable. So tell us maybe about like what your recitals were like in the beginning and how they've evolved over time.
2: Okay, perfect. Yeah. So um, I'm going to kind of offend you real quick. We're going to start, we're just going to start by getting mad about it and then we can like progressively get better with it. So here we go. Your recital stinks because like, and this is why, like this is why recitals stink. Do you want to go to one? Like if we're being honest, right? Another DM studio is like, oh my gosh, I love you. Here's a free ticket to my recital. Are you excited about spending your Saturday afternoon there?
0: Right. Exactly. Maybe not.
2: No, probably not. Like unless they, I'm talking about just your average dance studio, not like this amazing, like we're not talking about stars in Orlando. Like where I think they're in Orlando, Miami, wherever they're at, wherever Angel and them are. Cause they're amazing. <laughs> they're like, I hey, want you to come to my dance recital. be like, let's go. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and the a studio, a town over was like, Oh, we're giving dance teachers a ticket to the recital for whatever reason. I'd be like, okay, cool. I mean, it's great. Um, But for the most part, think, and if you can't imagine, you're like, well, my recital is amazing. Okay, let's put it this way. Do you want to go to a dance competition and sit there for several hours? Because to the outside person looking in, to that dad or the grandma or whatever it is, they don't know all those kids. So, yes, you can be like, well, my recital is awesome. I love my kids. Okay, again, remember, remember that you're sitting there watching kids that you don't know do stuff for two three four hours at a time and you're as a dance studio owner we're like oh my gosh I got to rent out the 1500 seat auditorium and it's going to be packed but was it a hit and so for the most part like everybody that's where it's like ooh, you know like maybe not and so I did that like I, I was totally that person we had dance recitals and um and everything. And then I started to like really look at it going, wow, my retention, by the way, this will completely re- improve your retention. I had a 98% retention rate when I changed my dance recitals. So Wow. Like, let's start there. Okay. So I started going, okay, what would I go and see? And I started noticing like the community theater shows are always full. Mm. The high schools do musicals and, and shows and they're always full. Like what can I do to make my studio like people that don't even go to my dance studio come and watch my show Mm -hmm. like i want the community to be like oh i want to go to that show and so i changed my entire concept of what my dance studio was to focus on this recital so this is kind of how i did that and if like i'm gonna just go off on this because i love to talk so you're like hey stop there go ahead Um, (laughs) i started with a theme like I, and yours can be a theme of your show. And a lot of people are like, okay, I have a theme. We did America last year. We did under the water, you know, whatever. I decided to actually, my first show, which is still the scariest thing that I had ever done is I decided to do Cinderella. I t- I went and found every song that Cinderella ever had. Okay, I'm up from junior like the junior musical, the actual Roger and Hammerson musical, the movie, the we stole some from uh, Sophie. The first when Cinderella came in and basically told the entire story of Cinderella start to finish. And um, we used Cheetah Girls, that Cinderella song. That was our jazz number. And so we told the whole story of Cinderella. I took out um, having. My competition team in my recitals. Because just like you said about soccer moms and baseball moms, I started to like really hit the root of what makes a dance family. And naturally, our first thought is like, oh, my competition team, they're such a dance family. They spend weekends together, we travel together. But we all know the secret to a successful dance studio is your bread and butter, which is your two, three, four, five, six year olds that are in abundance. And then you have your rec kids and it's how many rec kids do we actually have though, that are over the age of 10 or let's get more over the age of 12. Um, and it's like, how did I, how could I make those kids want to do a show the last weekend of May or the first weekend of June when school's getting out and everything else is going on? How do I have them invested in coming and being part of my show? And so I had this grand idea of doing this, like, you know, this whole like storyline of Cinderella from start to finish. And then I started to really dig even a little deeper and found like, if I did a cast
1: and Mm. I was like, we have
2: one person as little Cinderella and she gets to be the, like the whole little Cinderella and everything. We had one stepmother. We had two stepsisters. I went and like pulled the cast list of what I could do. And I made as many people like i figured out every character, even if it's like the smallest little piece, I was like, okay, that could be a cast. The cat can be a cast. And I had a meeting with any parent that'd be interested in their child being part of this cast. Um, And then I picked from there and I picked rec kids. They were my leads. And they all of a sudden got to have this a ton of studio time and got really invested. And the parents were excited because if you but if you're going to feature a competition kid in a show, the chances of them bringing a ton of people to that show is not really there. They perform on stage. They usually have solos and duets and trios and group numbers. And their parents are like, woo, another dance, <laughs> you know, like they love their kid. But if you're like, hey, my family's going to go see Sarah at nationals or my kid, you're going to watch my kid in a show. They're going to go for the nationals like that's So mm-hmm. their solo at nationals is so important. So who's going to bring 20, 40, 50 people to come see their kid as a star in a dance recital. And so I was like, a red right, kid, duh. Like they, this is a huge thing for them. They haven't been on stage at all. If, you know, maybe one or two times for a small recital. And so I started to, to really focus on how amazing, by the way, I did not know it was going to be amazing. I thought it was going to be a total flop. But I was thing like, <laughs> ever we're doing, Cinderella. And so I picked, like, I ended up picking, like, 14 people for the main cast. And now, again, besides, like, Cinderella herself, there's not really, like, you're in there, like, I don't know, two, three times. But I, I just changed my view on how focused I was on those rec right students um, a big thing that we look at is, uh, costumes. I have two kids, they dance, um, do, and a lot of pushback and a lot of reason that we lose parents is because we have a $75 costume that you wear once for three minutes. And you usually have two, three of them and parents just, it's expensive. And even pre COVID, it's just, it's expensive. Um, a recital that they also pay a recital fee and a ticket to that they don't even want to go to and then most of the parents end up backstage changing their kids instead of watching the show and then you get the emails after the recitals over my little sally was in the back and i paid all this money and i was like you know <laughs> on the forehead like is like what can i do and so i started thinking like okay um, well, my beginner dancers, they can be the villagers and my intermediate dancers. They can be the castle staff and my, uh, we had four levels. And so my next group, my advanced dancers, they could be, I don't remember what they were right now and like, or whatever. And then my babies, they were the mice. And I would pay every time the mice were come in, my little dancers would come on stage. They never changed costumes and they got to dance like three or four dances. And mm-hmm. so the parents are like. Oh, like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. I bought one costume and I just. And I'll explain, like, how I was able to swing one costume here in a minute. Um, And so I really transformed like what. So then the kids are getting more stage time. The parents paid less for a costume. Everybody got featured and parents are just happy. Like they're like, okay so now my kid was on stage for, let's say, they did four dances that were on stage for eight to 12 minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you have one costume for that $7,500, whatever you're buying. Um, then like we did, if the, if I could just sit them on stage on the sides, I would put them on stage. So they were constantly in and out um, on the stage and I'm anywhere from ages three to all the way up. So a lot, my Cinderella was really focused on um, the younger kids. I didn't have a lot of older rec students, but I pulled my competition teams from it. And I was real nervous about that at first. I was like, how's that going to work? They're kind Mm -hmm. of, no matter what, they're kind of the glue. Right. Keeps it. But when you take them out, like it is a like heart in your pit of your stomach feeling But then you'll watch kids that you didn't even know had that same level of like want and talent and just perseverance go, oh my gosh, now I get to be in there that maybe they're not ready for competition, or maybe it's an expense or a time thing that just can't happen, but they've gotten that opportunity to really shine. Mm -hmm. Um, They will come out of the woodworks to do it. Now you're listening to me say, okay, one costume, you get to go on stage a bunch of times. So how, where's that extra money coming from?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that was, that was interesting. That was a, a learning curve that got much better as time went on. I started with, um, pictures. So we, we think pictures as just like a blank, uh, white backdrop, you stand there and you're like, Oh, it's super cute. And you charge them for pictures. And I was like, no, how does my dance to let's profit off of this? Right? Like I want to make. You have to take like a whole week of your own dance classes out to do pictures. So like, how do we make this the best? Find a good photographer, like a good one, and work with them. Find a children photographer, Tara Swain, By the way, if y'all ever want to go, just look at somebody amazing. Tara Swain Photography, hands down the best ever. But she does mini sessions for children, themed mini sessions. And I called, like, her daughter was at the dance studio, and I called her and was like, "Hey, I need, I want to do Cinderella." mini session at the dance studio and she got all excited and she loves everything glitter and I told her what my idea was and so the kids would come and they would have on their costume but I told their parents fix their hair and their makeup how you want it done you do it your way and then they would come and they bought a package um of pictures and they got them digitally when they came in we had a full setup going on we had a glitter backdrop and a cinderella dress on a mannequin and a beautiful chair. And it was like, and they got to do a few things with that. And so we got to charge more for these mini sessions, Cinderella mini sessions. And I got pictures for my recital and people were posting them all over Facebook. I mean, Instagram was getting big, but Facebook was all the rage at the time. And so like people were posting all these pictures of my kids and we really like did this early on. And so they were posting all these pictures and everyone's like, I want a Cinderella picture. I want to, I want my kid to do that. And so like all of a sudden I had like within two weeks, like 15 people wanting to sign up for the dance studio to be in the show because all of these kids are dressed up like Cinderella characters and all these pictures are going out. And so what we did with that is we did a program book, like a legit one. Um, Think of like a yearbook. And everybody, every kid has their headshot in this with their first and last name, just like a yearbook was set up. And then parents could purchase ads at the back, like, congratulations, little Jill, we love you so much. And they could pick their favorite mini session picture to put in this. So there's this whole collage of dance, like, and I took this from like the senior portion of a yearbook.
1: I have a question about the, uh-huh. um, the yearbook style program uh, booklet. I love this idea. And w- Heather is really big on profiting from her recital booklet as, as well. Um, but I always would get stuck on the headshots because are you requiring everyone to come in and have a consistent look of a headshot? Or are you just asking the parents to send in their own version and then you've got somebody in the pool and somebody...
2: No, no, no. So our headshots, a headshot was free, like you don't get a copy of it, only I got a copy of it. But um, so we just, everybody had the exact same pose for a headshot, just like you would. Um, and we did, We booked an entire week of pictures from, cause we have a huge setup inside the studio, so you can't really dance. Um, and so you would come in um, during your class time, scheduled time, and we would do one group picture and one headshot a person. And then if you're not buying pictures, by the way, by letting them by doing your group picture, this is just a tidbit of advice. By doing your group picture and headshots first, let the parents in the room for that, but tell them that this is the studio's pick. Parents cannot pick poses or anything else. This is because if not, you're in there for a year. And so I'm like, but once they see that backdrop and that setup, all of a sudden they don't have a problem dropping $150 on the pictures. So they're like, oh mm. snap, like this is real. And, you know, you've got this really good photographer, not just, you know, the teenager that's doing a small picture. And so all of a sudden they're willing to pay it.
1: So you use the headshot as the, everybody has to be here. It's during the regular class time. So they're gonna be there anyway. Mm -hmm. And then you use that kind of as the nugget to get them to make a bigger purchase. Yes. Love it. And then they are so excited about it. They share it on social media and Uh it just ripples. It's yes. Great. And so,
2: um, and just the, and so just headshots only. Um, so the group picture and the headshots, the parents um, can be in the room uh, and they can see it. But then what we do is we, it's called a surprise. Like we do it as a surprise. And, um, we like there, cause I, we don't want parents taking pictures with their phone and sharing crappy pictures. Mm-hmm. Because we've got to, like I'm paying a ton of money for a professional photographer to be here. So I want like really good pictures being shared. And so, um, we, so we let them in there. Well, then we take them out and we, they get a package of like, I think it's five is the smaller package and 10 is the larger photos. And we do like, uh, you know, just like the hands on the hips and like, and I will share pictures in the group if you want of some different ones that we did.
0: Oh, please. That would be great. Yeah.
2: Um, cause we did Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan and Cinderella with themed shoots. And so I can show y'all some different ones that we had done for that. Um, and then. Uh, so we would, we would do those pictures. Well, then about two or three weeks after that, the parents would get these pictures in their inbox. Um, it would, they would all come digitally and they would get their pictures in that. It says, would you like your pe-, like, this is very important that you word it this way. Cause other than that, they're like me, would you, would you like your child to be featured in our program? Not, Ooh. you want to buy something. They don't want to buy anything. But if you tell them that you're going to feature them in something, here comes the dollars. Like that's it's like brilliant. That it's like that one little thing is like you went from, do you want your kids picture to be in our recital program? Well, their picture's already in the recital program. The parents aren't understand. Like as a, you have to think you're talking to rec students, maybe first time parents. And if you're like, Hey, do you want your kid's picture to be in the recital book? Then all of a sudden you're getting messages and texts. Like, I thought our headshots were in the recital book. Why do I have to pay for it? So don't, I don't put that. I'm like, hey, and you know, like, would you like a chance for your child to be featured with you pick your own pictures? You can do a fourth a page, a half a page or a whole page. Um, and then and then tier it on those levels. I think we went from 50, 75 to 100, I think. Is how I had it level, or maybe it was 125, 50, 75, 125, and our whole book is in color. We do like we get legit the most amazing. I'll like even take some pictures of those. The most amazing programs um, for you to be able to to take home. Well, so then they're they're paying for their child to be featured, and they can include a note, and we make sure it looks really good. But they pick their own pictures that they liked from the styled shoot. So our whole book is still sticking with that same one style. Um, and that same aesthetic that I wanted for the program. But then we sold them for $20 at the door or $15 if you pre-purchased. And because this is in full color and we are um, at the very back, we have an autograph page. So you can get autographs from the cast or from your friends, just like a yearbook, like just like it. And we had an autograph page um, that we had at the back of there. I was never left with more than four or five of
1: those things. I have a question. Um, if they don't buy the program book, they just don't know. They don't even get like a little slip of paper that says the order of the dances. They just get nothing. So you can- I do.
2: I print just like the paper bills programs mm-hmm. um, because I spend so much time and money on those programs themselves. I don't do like the super fancy. They're not in color. When I did Cinderella, I think I printed them on like light blue paper and folded them in half. Mm-hmm. And so, and on the front, it just had Cinderella uh elite dance academy presents cinderella choreographed by danielle mckee this date this time you open it up here's the order of events on the very last page it had like everybody in it
1: so you listed their names and the lineup and
2: yeah well uh, hold on i think on the last page we just did cast so like if your kid was just in it as a villager you have it and it Mm -hmm. would like if it said i don't know um cinderella on There, like that was the name of the song, and that featured village people. It would say Cinderella, and underneath it in italics, it would be like featuring um, beginner, ballet, and ly- lyrical as villagers. But I'm not taking time to list your kid's name when we have these amazing programs.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
2: Um, and so, and we handed those out, and people would take those too. Um, a lot of times, like aunts and uncles, because they don't really want a dance program with your kids' picture in it, like they'll sure but grandparents and mom and dad um, and y'all, when you take like all of a sudden you have 10 rec kids that have never been in anything and our cast, and I'll take pictures that way you can see our cast has featured pictures at the front. The very first page when you open it up, if your child made cast, they actually have like a large headshot like here, here they are. Um, I think my best one is Alice in Wonderland. So I'll take some pictures of those. Um, They actually have like their own headshots or whatever. Uh, our featured pictures is the cast. Those parents, they buy like 10 of them. Like they'll drop $200 on some dance programs like that. Um, We also do a huge reveal of the cover. We go and we take the cast. Um, Like the cover is a huge deal. Like it's, I make it such a huge important deal. Like what is the cover? Who made the cover? And then the back cover of this program. And, we, so what, how we do the, un, the reveal for the cover is we go and have posters made like you would see for like a movie or something like that. I have some posters printed and then some smaller ones that you can take to your local coffee shops and all of that. And it looks like a, an advertisement for a show is mm. just see. And so we have them and you come and you pick up five from the dance studio. Mm. So you come pick up five, and there's a big poster on in the studio of what the reveal is. And it's a huge deal, and everybody comes. Everybody's excited. But you get to take five of them. One is to keep, four is to place around town. And you have to tell me where you put them because we have to, like, go through them um, and do it. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't send them out with, like, the little bitty kids or anything like that. I'm um, just mainly, like, cast and mo- I'm not going to send them out with like 100 people or 200 people because that would be a ton of posters. I kind of target it like everybody's there for the big reveal that wants to be there. But if you're like, "Hey, on this random Saturday at two o'clock, we're going to do the poster reveal," not everybody in your dance studio is coming. Your cast is going to come. People that are really invested in your studio, the, those parents, those kids.
0: Those so this gonna- is so the poster reveal is a whole event.
2: Mm-hmm. We did gotcha because wow. we pass out the parents haven't seen the program this is just like this is the cover you mm-hmm. know it's like, big surprise and then you also get if you come to the reveal you get to take home a poster to keep just a small like um what is that was bigger than eight by ten what's bigger than eight by ten like this long skinny ones I don't know. yeah um, yeah
0: I love my, um, 17. I love my yeah, 17 probably
2: probably and um we get it like they're very beautifully printed I have a great relationship with the printing company there and then so like Your job is to go find the best places in town to hang these posters. Takes the pressure off of me. And Mm -hmm. he's like, oh, my gosh, I want to hang it at this place or this place. And they take pictures of themselves hanging their posters.
0: Oh, brilliant.
2: Post on social media themselves hanging up these posters. And then we get and if you can get the business to take a picture of the poster with you in it and post it on their social media page, we do a drawing. Okay. So we do like the more places you go hang your posters and you get the um, business owners to take a picture with the poster and post it on their own social media page for, you know, advertisement, then you go into a drawing to win a free recital book. So wow. then the parents are like, okay, we'll, we'll do that. Yay. And wow. then they go and hang the posters around town. So that's how, and by doing that, that gives you a lot of revenue that you did not realize that you could make, like a ton So I don't have to worry about costumes as much anymore because I'm selling recital ads for $125 and $20 a pop on recital programs that last and they're wonderful. That's brilliant. Um, So that's, and that's so, um,
0: and I love the drawing idea where you're giving them an opportunity to get a free program. Mm -hmm. If they want to participate, if they, you know, if they want to put in the work to to hang the posters and post it on social media, you're giving them the opportunity. So it's not like, yeah, I like that. That's really cool.
1: Another thing that we've done that's along those lines is um, we have a contest to see whoever sells the most ads Mm -hmm. uh, gets their child's, um, they get the back cover. So I don't put them in the front cover poster or anything but on the back I would do like meet Cassie mm-hmm. and um I'll do a we'll do a photo shoot with just her and she gets mm-hmm. to be on the back cover. So I do
0: it on the front cover whoever sells the most ads and I then there's a there's a minimum that they have to meet. So right. if if like nobody sells ads this this year mm-hmm. except one person sold $200. So well, sorry, you don't get to be on the cover. There's a minimum and I think it's like $600 or something. But if you sell them, if whoever sells the most over that minimum gets to be on the front cover and we just use their, I just send their pictures from picture day to my graphic designer and they whip something up. That's beautiful and amazing.
1: Wow. Well, that's great. Another question I have for Danielle, um, how do you pay your photographer for that week of um picture week. Do you so, Do you just get a percentage or do you pay them or what?
2: So the way that, um, and I had a wonderful working relationship with my photographer, so it's going to be completely up to you. Um, I do not pay her anything, but she, the actual money she makes from the, um, cause I mean, and this is going to sound like double-edged here, but it's kind of up to her to make sure that sets magical, mm-hmm. like to yeah. make sure by buy that. Um, so I get those headshots and she designs the program for me at no charge. However, she keeps 100% of whatever she charges for the mini session itself. So I don't make the money off the actual pictures, if that makes sense. My money Mm -hmm. comes from parents putting their kids' pictures in the program book and selling those program books. If she was to ever quit Mm -hmm. making those so magical that parents didn't put them in there, we would have another talk, but that never happened. So I made plenty off of it.
0: Gotcha. So make that
2: profit at the end of the day off of programs and stuff like that is a little over $4,000.
1: Nice. You know what? I'm thinking that because now because we're in a different world and this, this COVID world um, I'm getting some pushback right now from parents about costumes. Usually everybody spends about $200 on costumes. And like, I got a call from a dad last night saying, he Said, hey, I paid for my costumes last year $200 and we never wore them. And now they're sitting in a closet. And now you're telling me that the costume bill is due February 1st. And I'm a little reluctant to put out the next $200. So we're kind of going to, and I hear that that's a totally legitimate concern. Mm-hmm. So, and the problem with just saying, oh, we're going to use last year's costumes is some kids are in different groups, some kids are new, some kids are gone. Um, and all, nearly all the kids have grown. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So anyway, I did. uh, We are going to look at the situation and see if we can, you know, make some sort of concessions. But what I'm hearing from parents is they're not as interested these days in paying for costumes. But what I like what you're saying, where you're not making all your money on costumes, you're making your money off of this program booklet, which, you know, maybe there's not as much reluctance. Mm-hmm. um, because from the, the parents,
2: parents to- like they know they're getting something of value. Um, not that the dance recitals, not something of value, but we live in a different world where pe- now people, something of value is something that they can tangently like see, like they can, con- this is a concrete thing. This yeah. is pictures of my child done by a professional. This is a program book that I get to hold and I get to take home. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a, a recital in a costume where you're kind of videotaping in the back. Like,
1: this is theirs. And additionally, it's going to cut back on our uncertainty. You know, we're getting ready to order all these costs. Last year, we, you know, some people never got their costumes or they didn't get them till June or, or, I'm sorry, July or in the middle of the summer. So it removes us from the whole costume world. And I'm really liking this idea. It's really good.
2: Yeah, no, it, like, it just... Again, and then like when, when you have parents buying those costumes, I really, really truly think the number one problem with retention is dance recitals. All this money goes into these recitals and it is over-promised and under-delivered and not through any fault. You can't control, especially in COVID stuff, but just in general, pre-COVID, um, when it came down to like whether or not that child was going to perform well or even go out without crying, you know, like that was such an unknown that it was like, once you take the, Oh, the reward is being on stage and then changing the direction. And that's just a bonus. Now the reward is you were part of this huge show. It like you were Mm. part of all those posters everywhere. Your kid was part of that, you know, their pictures in that recital program. Um, And so it it kind of, it just changes that direction on, what the money is for
0: mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah it feels like something bigger than just mm-hmm. this class comes out and does their dance now this class yeah. comes out and does and their you dance
2: that family <laughs> like that whole yeah. sphere that you wanted your whole studio is now working towards one common goal
1: yeah right? that's beautiful and that's what is so appealing about sports to Mm -hmm. so many families. It's, it's like, I remember sitting in the bleachers once during a football game, hating every minute of it, except the fact that my kid was out there and, um, thinking, what is it that sports has? What is it that's that all these families love about this sports thing? And it's that the parents are involved. They, um, it's a big event. It, it, it lasts a whole season. It's they, they, they there's a lot of identity that's wrapped up in all of this. It's not. And the fact that parents are involved, I think is huge too, because you, um, you know, when we lock our parents out of the auditoriums and say, you can't come in, we don't need your help backstage. You just show up and watch. They're not really a part of this whole effort. And when you go to a football game and you've got the the moms in the concession stand and the dads are on the sidelines coaching and, you know, you got that mom is the photographer and then you've got that mom selling pom-poms in the, in the bleachers and like that mom's in charge of the spaghetti dinner and getting the, the gift for the coach. And the moms like that. So I, yeah. I, I like what you're saying. It's a whole nother podcast topic, but making your recital into a family event, like you said, it brings, gives it more value. It's not yeah. just, like, there is a
2: ton of, i say that could be a whole new topic yeah. in itself. And I have a lot on that
0: too. All right, friends, that's it for this week. Tune in next week when we will be releasing the rest of our conversation with Danielle McKee and have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. Bye.